right, it's the Mad Hatter Show podcast, man. I got a great guest here, man. I call this young fella a friend, uh, somebody I look up to from the business perspective. He covers the game. I told him, I don't really know how to introduce you. I, I do these podcasts. It's a, uh, it's a selfish act. I'm right. going to be honest with okay. you. I know it's my podcast. I need to be thinking about how to make money with it. Right. But you know these people. Like, I know Lester Pace. Mm. I also know Lester Sir Pace. Right. <laughs> but I don't know you. I've seen you all my childhood into being a grown man. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So I've known you all these years and I don't know you, but I know you have an interesting story. So a lot of these podcasts that people have been seeing for the last few weeks uh, or almost ever since I, you know, walked away from my job is people that I know I don't know, but I know they have a wealth of knowledge that they can share with me. Right. So we're having the conversation. I'm like, Lester, I'm sorry. I don't really know how to introduce you other than saying you're somebody I would consider a friend. If I reach out to you, you'll reach right back. Right. Be I work in radio. Be I'm a bum on the sidewalk. Right. I got my phone. You're like, I don't know if I can do nothing for you, but let me see. Right. right. But you, you are a CEO. You work for Rock Nation. So right. you're a, an executive at Rock Nation doing what you call is uh, it marketing? What's no, your radio actual? marketing promotion. Okay. It's senior vice president. Senior SVP. You don't want to disrespect those yeah, kind no, of titles. No. Can you say that again? <laughs> That's a respect. That's that title means respect me. Senior vice president name. of Rock Nation Records. See that? See that? He thought it out there, but that's a gangster <laughs> title right there. That means I do things, and I know I do. Very very dope shit. But that's what but that I is. need to explain it over radio marketing promotions because people will take that and think. I'm the boss, but I handle all the radio marketing promotion whenever the artists come out with any music. I'm responsible with my team, Big D and Reza. We go to radio and we do our thing. And they make things happen. Exactly. Now, not only does he do that, you're an entrepreneur. Yes. You have your own radio stations. This is where in New York? Uh, Rochester. I got two in Rochester, one in Flint. These above air and they're digital as well. Yeah, they, they're on regular, traditional radio stations. Mm-hmm. And also you can hear them online. He's not. He's also a record company man. He's so he's a CEO of a record label. Got a very successful artist by the name of Jay Howe. If you don't know who Jay Howe is, look up on him. This kid is doing major things. He's he's major. He's an independent major artist. Yeah, I tell everybody okay we're major but indie. Mm. So you do that as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and he's a father. So entrepreneur, CEO, major executive. Uh, historian of hip-hop when it comes to Houston because truth of the matter is you started a radio show back in the days called Kids Jam mm-hmm. on KTSU 90.9. Uh, not only did you do that, 90.9, 90.1? 90.9. 90.9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only did you do that, you you ushered in the hip-hop wave that we see in this city today. Right. Now, I know most people probably won't want to give you that title, mm-hmm. but you are one of the architects of what became hip-hop in this city. Right. So I, I, I'm going to give I, you I can, that. And right. if somebody want to get mad at me, blame the fella from out of town. But in my eyes, you were one of the first well, ones that really helped put hip-hop on the map, bringing it to, to radio. radio. Exactly. Bringing it to radio when there was, that place wasn't around. There was no an major outlet. radio station playing it. It was a new, unfounded thing. Nobody wanted to give it, give it its props. You were one of the first ones that came across. And there's other people that helped you out. Right. I think Walter D was there. Jazzy uh, Red. Jazzy Red. Wicked Cricket. You, we can do this all yeah, day but, long. There was, so there's a couple and then, of then, architects. Then, then, then it's, uh, the architects, I, I, well, first of all, I would have to give it to KTSU when I first got so there. You can give me the opportunity. Okay, the guy uh, by the name of Charles Porter. Mm-hmm. He had a son, a son and daughter, Stacy and Charles, and they had this show that they did at KTSU called Kids Jam. 
So what happened at the time, I was in high school. I was more so trying to be a rapper. Okay. So <laughs> see, I, I didn't know. <laughs> see, I used to rap in high school. The okay. funny thing is, I rapped this guy named Antonius Earl, Melvin D. Walt, and Thelton Polk, who real and his rap name was Sir Rap-A-Lot. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So I'll bring that story into later. Mm -hmm. So we used to rap. So I used to do the uh, morning announcements at uh, MB Smiley High School right. on the north side. So one of my teachers came to me one day and asked me to ever thought, think about being a disc jockey. And be honest, I didn't know what a disc jockey was. I'm like, disc jockey? I'm like, well, she said, so you got the voice, you should, you should do radio. So she reached out to the program director at the time at KTS. Your name was Pamela Collins. So Pam, uh, I went to the station and uh, they had this show Kids Jam. They did every Saturday, 10 and 2, and they played music. And so uh, I go there one Saturday and uh, I started coming to the show. So the only thing I did for probably the first six months to the year is watch this guy named Michael Mitchell. He was, he, he was the disc jockey. And Stacey Porter was there. They would come on and do a show called Be Yourself, which was a show that was dedicated officially for high school kids. And they talked about problems that was going on in high school. Mm. So that would be one hour. Yeah. So leading to that, I would just come in there every week and say, hey, that when we get ready to leave, who was the only that? Lester Sir Pace. I just, all I said. <laughs> so apparently what happened, one Saturday, uh, KTS, you had their parade or something going on. Nobody showed up. I was the only DJ at the state at the air that time, so it was my first time to be on the air. So back then they were playing all the R and B music, weren't playing on hip hop. Mm. So I had my, I came with a sack of hip hop records, took my little Sugar Hill records out, put it on the turntable, played it, then played another one. Next thing you know, <laughs> the hot phone ring. <laughs> so Pamela Collins called Lester, quit playing all that rap music. So I had to hung up the phone. Put back on some Stacy Lattisar, Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> <laughs> some of those records. So as soon as three minutes ago, I put on another hip hop record. And then I put on another one. Yeah, you never and, was good at the rules. Yeah, I never was. I never was good at the rules. So she called again, had to stop. So each week, now what Mike was doing, Michael started training me. So it was a two-hour show. So Mike would come on 10 to 12, and 12 to 2, he would let me come on. So then I started building my uh the show up with a little hip hop. Mm -hmm. So finally one day, Pam called and told me, don't play no more rap music. I said, well, why don't we let the people decide? So we had the show, Be Yourself. So we had the people to call and say, do they want to hear more hip hop, more R&B? Now, but, let me stop you right there. How did you, why did you figure that people wanted to hear more of it? Like, what would make you even question this lady? The about phone lines. Gotcha. Back then, the phone lines, every people call, can you play a certain record? You play a certain record. All of it was hip hop coming in. Mm. And my, matter of fact, got the point, Michael would say, Lester be playing when he comes up. It's like back then the DJs had their own music. You know what That's I'm right. saying? So, so when I came on the air, you knew what Michael was going to do. Michael's going to kill you with all the R&B. When Lester Pace came on, hip hop was coming on. <laughs> so, so when I got on the air, we took the poll that day. And when we took that poll, hip hop blew everything out. Pam came and said, Lester, do your thing. Wow. And that's when I went berserk on the radio. <laughs> I, I, I went berserk. I mean, um, you look at Kids Jam. Kids Jam was responsible for a lot of the hip hop that people don't understand. We were the first one to play UGK. Mm. Okay. Uh, Tell me something good. Mm. Okay. We were the first one to play Scarface. Uh, uh, Scarface, when he was with Lil Troy, the, his first record came out. Small time. Dope gang, cocaine, you know what I'm saying? Mr. Scarface. Yes, sir. We was first one to play that. Hey, Reno, Dope E, all of these kids came, uh, 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 came through there. Uh, Jaime, you know, it was just so many. These people had an outlet. Mm. And to me, 
what makes a city good, radio can make, like people used to talk about how, why Atlanta was so big or why did Atlanta was big because radio supported the local artists. His jam supported local artists. That was Magic wasn't playing hip hop like that. Uh, it was Love 94, I think, back in the day. None of those states were playing it. So what I did with Kids Jam, we did that. And then Jazzy Red came along. So Jazzy Red was an integral part. He started being a rapper on there. Then all of a sudden, uh, Pam, uh, uh, I can't remember the time, either Deidre Ward, I got to give a shout out to Deidre Ward. She was a, a fluent. Daryl Scott would bring his mixtapes up there, which was so big. And we would play one of Daryl Scott mixtapes, mixes each week on there. So it was all this stuff was going on at, with, uh, at that time. And the kids In your mind, do like, you know that you're doing something special? Do no. you know that you're setting a trend? I would have never known because I would have kept all those tapes. I would have kept right. so videos. You know, no, you're just I, I'm, just, I'm just doing it because I had that passion, passion. I had the passion and the love in my heart. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, then one day, this guy named Polo Cool comes to me and said, Lester, man, we got this skating ring on the north side called Rainbow Skating Ring. Man, you should come there and DJ. And really, I wasn't a disc jockey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't know anything about mixing or none of that. So at that time, I called the guy who's my best friend in the world, Walter, Walter D. D. <laughs> I know. Called Walter D. And all of a sudden, I'm going to Rainbow. And the, they didn't have any turntables then. It's like you walk in to pay your ticket. I'm sitting right there. It's the DJ to see you paying your ticket. And they had this one box that I put a record on. So, and, you know, I'm watching these kids stand up there look like I feel like I was in the zoo or something because they look at me. That's Lester Sir Pace. I'm like, oh, and they just stood around just looking at me. I, 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 I was like, OK, hold on. I didn't realize there was nothing like this. And the guy Polo, cool. Shout out to him. He got me started being a disc jockey. So I end up going and get my own equipment and ask Walter to train me. So Walter, tell me, oh, just do this and do that. And so one day Walter comes to my house. I got all this equipment set up there and I'm scratching this time going back and forth. And then I had it on tape while me and him were riding the car. And he said, man, who's that? I said, that's me. He's like, man, that ain't you. So he comes to the house. I show him and we started doing that. So then we kind of someone had a battle because Walter was at Super Skate and I was at Rainbow. Okay. But he didn't realize the power radio. Super Skate where everybody went. But on Saturday mornings, Kids Jam, everybody were either cleaning their cars, cleaning their house, mm. listening to Kids Jam. And uh, it was just such an important show. Matter of fact, the first time you ever heard a record that was screwed. We didn't call it screwed. We just happened to make a mistake. So what happened, the re record by uh, Fresh is the Word by Mantronics. Mm -hmm. when the song came out. It's supposed to be played. It was one of those 12 inch 12 records, inches. but it plays at 45, it plays at 45. not thir 33 and a third. So well, Marcus well, Love is, you know, working with me at this time. Give a shout out to my guy, Marcus Love. Marcus Love puts the record on and all of a sudden it's going, man, Tronics is too cool that you must hear. So it's going like that. So all of a sudden we like, oh man, and we let it play halfway through. So we just let it play. So next week we, when we come on the air, people say, play that man, Tronics, fresh the word, slow down. Wow. So we had to play that record slow down. So shout out to Screw. He took that whole thing to another level. We're not taking anything from Absolutely. what he did. But that was the first thing that we did. So it was so many big things that we had. Run DMC when they came to, uh, what's the name? They came by the radio station. Curtis Bro. All these people came through. They came by Kids Jam really? on Saturday wow. mornings. Uh, Rapper, I got their start there. You know what I'm saying? Lil' Jay come by. Uh, Raheem the Dream, I think they shot his video, if I'm not recall, right in front of KTSU, one of the first artists that rap a lot had and stuff. So all of that, it set the foundation for what Houston uh, 
So when they mention this, when they mention this history of hip hop in this city, to to not mention many of the names that you said, if they ever do that, you're missing an important part of right. the legacy of Houston hip hop. Right. And I see it a lot of times. I don't say anything. No, you because, don't. Because, dude, if you know, you know. That's how I always look but at it. But see, everybody's getting older. Mm-hmm. Like, even with Daryl Scott, like, you had to connect me because Daryl, like, I don't want to really, I feel like I'm talking about myself. Right. Well, Mr. Scott, you got to. Yes. Because some of this history now is starting to get lost. Right. And there's such a wealth of music history in this city. Like, even with that, there's, you know, other record labels that were here in the 40s. Man, you 50s. wouldn't have heard none of those records if Daryl Scott didn't put them on his tape. Right. You, right. Wouldn't, you wouldn't have been exposed to it. Right. Kids Jam and Daryl Scott tapes, a couple of things that you had to have. Matter of fact, uh, I can't think of, I want some scratch, scratch, scratch. It's uh, like that. Money, 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 money. cash money. You. If you didn't, oh. dude, you would have never got that record if Daryl Scott didn't have that on his tape. You would have never That's heard it. song at the time. Because too. it was nothing but, it was all about them, the guys with their swangers and bangers rolling around with the bass coming down the street. And mm. they, I would have guys, so I may take, man, you got that Daryl Scott record, Daryl Scott got it. They have to come and play the record off of Daryl Scott tape. And then I have to find it and put it on there. So we, we all complimented each other back in the day. Absolutely. And that's why I think the bond is still so good on this side. And you got to give a shout out to even the clubs, the Captain Jacks, the Steve Fournier's and those people right there. Because what we did, it, 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 it started to marinate to the clubs from the wrecks that they heard that those DJs and everybody started playing. Eventually, y'all forced the major radio stations in the city. Yes. They had to acknowledge it. I'll yes. give you a story. So how I got the commercial radio. Steve Hegwood called me. Luke Steve, he died. Yeah, Steve Hegwood was doing KYOK, then he went to KISS 98.5. Mm-hmm. So Hegwood called me one day and asked me about uh, coming to be on commercial radio, and I turned it down. Wow. He said, we're going to pay you. I said, I know, but I, I, now I'm okay. He said, but he said, why are you not going to do this? I said, because you guys play the same thing all day long. <laughs> I say, people hear me on Lester, Lester Pace. They know Lester Pace. They know what they're going to get when I'm on the air. Mm. When I come over there, I'm going to play the same records y'all playing, and I'll just be that voice. It's not about me. It's about the music. Mm. So Steve Hegwood said, okay, tell you what. I'll let you do weekends. You come over here on Saturdays, and I'll give you two songs that you can play of your own each hour. I'm like, okay. So I become a weekend jock over at uh, KISS 985. So wow. I never get one Saturday I'm on the radio. And I played a song by, I think it's Magic Mike. DJ Magic Mike uh, out, of, out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Number bass record, mm-hmm. right? So I'm on the air. I play this record and this record's number bass. Ain't no singing. I'm boom, 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 boom. Drop, boom, and If you boom, ain't boom. got subs, you, you can't, can't, hear, you can't hear that on the radio. And so all of a sudden, the hotline rings. <laughs> it's perfect. Go, it's, yeah, Golden Boy who's the nighttime jock, 6 to 10, called, hey, man, what's that record you playing? I said, oh, man, this is something that's hot in the skating ring I'm at and everything. He's like, okay, I'm thinking he like it. Boom. Next, Mickey Hobbs called. Tell him the same thing. Next, then the music director calls. She said, uh, Lester, what record are you playing? She said, uh, somebody, I said, this right. That's not on the list. I said, what well, Hedwood got on this on the sheet, Lester's pick. I can play two records on. Next thing you know, she hangs up, Hedwood called. Lester. I just got four or five calls about some record you play. What is that you play? I said, Steve, this is the hottest record in the skating week. So Steve says, if it's not, next week I'm snatching all this stuff from me. Uh, uh, it just went completely off. And I'm kind of pissed off. Hang the phone up and I'm mad. Next Monday, the number one requested record 
DJ Magic Mike. Oh, what's the name? So Haywood told him, leave me alone. Let me do my thing. Mm. And so that's how I got to the commercial side of it at uh, 98.5 before I, you know, stepped out. And then I started working at rap a lot. See, I didn't even know that because mm -hmm. when by the time I get here, I was at we were all you're, in you're, you're rap, Yeah, you're you're rap a lot. Uh, I know you for being a record promoter. Right. Uh, in fact, a lot of this history I learned much later. You know, everything you did at KTSU, I learned all this stuff because, you know, you, you start you learning who the players are right. and what their contribution is. But you just learn it by accident, if you will. Mm -hmm. So some of this stuff is even fresh with you telling me these stories now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know this whole part about you even being on radio, but I know you know all the players, Steve Hegwood and all these people. So it's just it's fun for me to actually. Hear. Right. Now, obviously, I don't want to say you ever really cared about the money, but it appears to me that everyone cares about money because you got to live. Right. But there's a certain integrity as it relates to music that if it didn't follow that, for you, it just wasn't working. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. you, you transition. Most people try to stay. Once you get in radio, they stay. You know, I stayed in for several years. You transitioned right out and went to records. Why? Because I used to look at the lifespan. I didn't because I always wanted to be like you guys. I wanted to be either a morning show guy or I wanted to be a, a, a main guy on the air. Mm -hmm. I never got that opportunity. And one thing I told myself, I didn't want to be at my age now and be a DJ working clubs. <laughs> I, 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 I just wanted something else. That was me. I said, I got to find something else. And shout out go to Lil J. J Prince calls me one day. Uh, matter of fact, just before the Scarface, uh, before the ghetto, we're doing the ghetto boys. That's the time when Jay, I think he sold everything and put all his money on the record side. And he asked me, Les, do you ever th thought about doing record promotion? I'm like, no, not really. He said, I think you'll be good at it. So Jay gave me, Jay Prince wow. gave me a job, brought me over to rap a lot. And him and Bruce told me that next thing you know, I didn't know anything about market promotion. They gave me a credit card. And I went on the road, started driving to radio stations, not knowing what I'm doing. Uh, i never forget going to New Orleans. And I drove all the way to New Orleans because the program director wouldn't take my call. I go to the radio station at 10 o'clock in the morning because they say he has have a meeting. His name was Gerard Stevens. Gerard he, Stevens. Stevens. I haven't heard that uh, Gerard, name. Gerard yeah, Stevens. Yeah, so yeah, I sit, I sit in the again. lobby of the radio station waiting to meet this guy. And the secretary said, okay, I, so it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. I say, is he going to see me? Oh, hold on. So she said, Gerard Stevens calls. So I sat there, 3 o'clock. All of a sudden, the radio station playing, I hear something. Gerard Stevens live on WQUE and stuff like this. I'm like, this dude is on the air. He's not going to see me. So I go there and ask the, the, the receptionist. And she says, uh, he said, you didn't have an appointment. So I had to get back in my car, drive all the way back to Houston, and then meet with this guy. But that's how I learned it. Business. I started learning <clears throat> the ropes mm -hmm. through trials and error of what to do and what not to do. But if it wasn't for rap a lot, now I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. Because guess what? I'm in Houston, Texas. Any of the guys that work records, the most time came out of New York, L.A., and everything like that. Facts. So that opportunity gave me, a, and I started building my reputation uh, for working records. Through that, so how did you, you learn to be so good at this? Because here you are, years later, and you're still relevant. You know, now working for Rock Nation. Well, because whenever I did something, I like if say me and you playing basketball or whatever. If Hatter stayed in the gym and shot 50 free throws, I'm gonna shoot 100. <laughs> I had to find out 
What's the separate? Even when I started doing market promotion, whatever the the regular record record rep did at that point, I did something totally different. Okay, so I I did anything somebody did. I said, how could I do this better than what they're doing? Now they might be better than me, but how can I do something better than them? Mm -hmm. And so that's how I always looked at my life. People always tell me, well, I only hire people who better than me around me. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't like I don't like yes men, and they'll tell you I only like people who can do something better than me because I can't stay stagnant, okay? I have to be able to, how do I take this to the next level? I have a question, when it, and I know you have your hands in so many different things, so you got a lot of streams of right. income, but when it comes to being on the record side of things, I know there was a time in this business where everybody got frightened, scary, before streams really took off doing what it was doing. It looked like the business was going in another direction. So a lot of the executives, mm-hmm. they record companies started letting those folks go mm-hmm. during that time, because you were working for Interscope. Interscope, right. So during this time, Things were changing a little bit. What was it that gave you the opportunity to survive? Because when I uh, left Interscope, me and a friend of mine, Lana Ridenauer, what I always seen, the business was to- totally shrinking. Uh, at Interscope, at one time, we had 10 people in the field. Then it got down to eight, then it all the way to four. So I knew some pretty soon the labels may need uh, people to work for them instead of being Sign working for the label, but independent contractors, right. okay, providing label services. So at that point, uh, me and the guy lying right now were talking about it. So we started working in the, not just for the for the uh, independent artists, but labels too, mm-hmm. because we would come in and get records started to get them to a certain point on the chart, and then they might be have ten records over in the staff for Interscope. Now, therefore, we get a certain point. Now they can take over. And, and continue to work it from that point. Mm-hmm. So I knew those things I, where I felt. I always try to think three or four or five years ahead of time where things are going. It's like forecasting if you're in the stock market. Yeah, no you know, so I looked at that and, and it's come to uh, fruition exactly what, 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 what we thought was going to happen now. You know, I still see the labels because now they say the labels say they're not making money, but they're making more money, not streaming. But they're, still, but they're still trying to cut costs. So where I'm glad you mentioned that then that I'm gonna transit because you got man you got so much stuff I want to try to cover. I promise y'all I'm, I'm trying because I know y'all don't like to be sitting around for two hours so I'm trying to get better at this. Right. Uh, so where do you think the transition is happening now? Just from that perspective in the, in the next three to five years because nobody knew that this streaming was gonna blow up. Like well, this. I seen a guy the other day uh, post something on on social media saying uh, about he can't wait three months to get paid because uh, so he's gonna do CDs but. That's cool, but who are you going to sell those CDs to? Okay, everybody in the country is not going to be able to get those CDs. Well, back in the day when we were doing music, we had to do CDs. It cost us to make CDs. Absolutely. So that was one of the big things. I can't press up 100,000 CDs. Mm-hmm. So you, you press up three or four or 5,000, get that, then you reorder. So the guy was saying that, then he only going to sell to his friends. So I think streaming, even though the money may not seem big to certain people, but this opportunity gives a chance to touch the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't do that back in the day. You couldn't have people like my artist. He got fans in South Africa. You know what I'm saying? That are hitting him up. So I think the streaming part is going to get big. But I think it's given. It's, I think independent artists should look at it as a, not a. They want everything instant right now. I think you have to sit back and if you believe in yourself, believe in that brand and continue to build on it. Because now all of a sudden. You, if you own your own label, like I told you with, with my artist, he owns his own, he's signed to himself. He has a check coming every month now. 
three years ago he was making nothing. Now he's making a substantial amount of money each month mm -hmm. off of, just off his stream. Mm -hmm. Okay, you go sign with a label, they give you a half a million dollars, a million dollars. Guess what? How many artists you see on online? I say they ain't never get another check after they got their first check. That they never it. seen another check. Never recoup. Never recoup. Never seen a check. Teaching my artists now. You build something, so now when you go off the label comes, you and go. Why'd do you do a deal like that too? Let's what? talk about Jay Howe. Why'd you do a deal like that? That's, because that's, that's very different because most people want to sign you to their label, maybe give you some publishing. Mm -hmm. You kind of like say, you know what? We're gonna just be a we're gonna do a partnership. Because I've seen before I, I when I met him, him and the uh, producer Teray had been together like four or five years, and they had so many hard stories about different people they had dealt with and what was going on. So in order for them to get them to trust me. I said, I'm a bet on myself. Uh, That's what you're saying about you. About me. About mm -hmm. me. I'm a bet on myself mm -hmm. and show you the trust to put your trust in me. And we didn't have him sign the papers at first. I said, mm -hmm. uh, and I supposed to just came in just as the manager. But they didn't have any funds to do a lot of stuff. So me being sometimes the lesser pace I am, I invested the money and started doing those things. But the things I loved about them, by, by both of them, which made it, made it kind of easy to deal with. They had their own music and the artist wrote his own song. So I didn't have to go out and find songwriters mm. and put all these things together. And when I met them, they had over 70 records. When we put the Red Room out, it was 80% complete. I think they recorded three more records and I had to force them to put that out. Mm. But once they put it out and they started seeing the, you know, the love that they were getting from and building a fan base, we continue to market and promote that record the same album for three years we promoted. Like most people go record an album. And if you believe in it, guess what? I used to tell them, man, we need to, I said, no, only 0.3% of the people in the world has heard this music. And that was a year and a half into the project. So we constantly did that. And then all of a sudden they started making enough money, streaming money to start taking care of themselves and do different things. And so to your point, the music is you can't, I don't think an artist should look at a project and think it's going to happen overnight. For some people, it does. That works. Mm -hmm. But if you know you, I think it's talent is going to come back. What was it about Jay Howell that made you even want to do that deal? Because it's rare. What, you've, what you just discussed is rare. You, in this hip-hop time that mm -hmm. we live in, right. it's hard for especially R&B artists to go out there and do their thing. And, you know, I've seen some of these numbers. These some legitimate <laughs> money-making numbers. I don't, put, I don't put Mr. Howell business out there or Mr. Page business. I'm just saying friends were sharing with right. each other and show, let me show you what right. I'm doing, player. So what was it about him that you saw that made you say, I'm willing, I'm willing to spend, use my money to monetize mm -hmm. the artist and to do a deal where it's beneficial to all. Not that you under me, we just, we're going to work together to make this Right. Thing well, first, when I first heard him sing, it was different. And when I first and uh, first heard, him, I thought it was a female that seeing some of those notes. I was like, "Who is yeah, this?" Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, so so when I heard him, it's you know how you get that reaction of feeling, man, this guy is good. And I brought my friend Azim Rashid down to Memphis. He was there, and Azim came and heard him. This before Azim, I, record coming to Azim. Yeah, oh, salute Azim. Okay, yeah. okay, so okay. Azim came. Another, another major uh, <laughs> contributor and uh, executive of the music business. So Zine comes to the house and listen to him. And because uh, Zine was working, I forgot what label, but I was trying to say, man, maybe y'all sign this cat. So uh, Zine uh, had liked him, but nothing happened on that end. So what happened, Lionel Ridenauer and I were getting ready to start working all the music for Hitco, L.A. Reid's label. Mm -hmm. So L.A. Reid has, uh, when he first did a deal, he was in Atlanta signing artists. 
So we all go out uh, as a team we, uh, listening to the artists as they come in. So they had one more, one more day left to do auditions. And the guy by the name of Chubby, Chubby, I said, uh, Chubby, I got this guy to Memphis, man. This guy can sing. You mind if I bring him in for audition? Chubby tells me, yeah, call him. So I called Jay Hall. I haven't talked to these guys in five months. We had kind of lost contact. So I called Jay. I said, hey, man, what are you guys doing? I say, uh, label hit call owned by L.A. Readers have an audition. Man, you guys should come and try it. He say, man, Pace, we ain't got no money to get to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> I say, what's your cash app? I send him gas money. He said, I said, I'm going to put you in a hotel. He said, call to Ray, y'all get here. Wow. So they get there and they come to, so they, so they come to uh, Atlanta the next day. So we sit in the room and all the artists came in, L.A. Reed, listened to them. They played one song and he said, okay, he goes shake their hand and then they leave. So Jay Howell comes in there. We played his first song, his album, uh, Love You in the Morning. Now we played two records. We played one record. It was cool. Then we played Love You, uh, Love you in the Morning. So L.A. Reed listened to the record. Then he leaves out the room. He comes back in the room and tells them to play it again. So they play the record again. So he listens to it in the back of the room and he leaves out again. Then he comes in the third time, say, play it one more time. This time he comes in like in front of this board and stands there and play the record. And you see him just vibing until I'm like, oh, these kids really get a deal. Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden he comes over to me and say, you found his actor? Yes. Oh, that guy's good. Talk to to Ray, shake the hand. Say, I say, oh, they good. Next thing you know, he don't sign him. Wow. He don't sign him. And so they heartbroken, they go back. And that's when I tell them, you know what? I'm going to mess you guys. We're going to put out a project. And that's how it all got started. Wow. wow. And uh, the fact that I saw L.A. Reed reaction. Let you know that this is something. This is something. This, this is definitely It may not have it now, but we're going to build. They just constantly been building, man. Yeah, well, salute to you on that. And thank you, too, when I got to the vibe, helping them out at KTSU because they started their radio station. I'm like, hey, man. I know I can probably ask Lester for a solid. Right. He got some he got some lineage here, some history here. Right. Let me see if he can bring this artist in and we can get him to showcase. And I knew that this guy was special because we never really did a contest giveaway. Wow. And there were people like the contest was all wrapped up. I'm like, who is this? Jay? I don't know who this guy is. I like his music personally, right, right. but who is this guy that already has up and, and fan people, base. listen, y'all people drove four miles to come see this kid and he did an incredible job for us by the, this sad plug go to the vibe act uh vibe app and you can still see his performance on there right now to this day it's an incredible performance but he had a huge uh fan base and still does and it's still growing so it's, it's amazing and fun to actually watch you with this project mm-hmm. and watch this guy win mm-hmm. and you don't see a lot of stories like that today to me and particularly doing r&b right which to me is so hard in this game because they want rap it's fast money to me as far as record companies go right and r&b it's a little it's a slower build it's, it's a slower build but you've been very successful I, I know you got it to chart uh i know you're moving numbers because i've seen it so i know mm-hmm. and uh, you just got incredible artists yep and that's what i think i think artists when you find an artist and you believe in them i mean i think about back yo got it we helped launch his career. Uh, my uh, partner at the time, Ricardo Hunter, brought Yo Gotti when I was office in Memphis. Mm. And he, uh, he tells me, hey, man, this guy in Memphis is going to be hot, man. And I heard him. I'm like, ah, it's okay. So uh, that was <laughs> oh my, my thing. Uh, you know, but then, but what I always, I, I say, I always like to give respect to those guys who not just artists, 
but become uh, big and run their own business. And mm. I give it to Gotti. Gotti you will put that. out a record and Gotti would come by our office and bring uh, 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 fund the records for marketing and stuff. He's the first artist that I've seen do that. So Gotti would come in and bring his budget in to work radio on his own before he, even when he was signing the TVT, he would do his own thing. And mm. I'll never forget when he, even when he got the Epic Records, me and one of my good friends, Arnold Taylor, at that time, we were working, helping him out. But he was signed to Epic, and I never get, Epic put out two singles on Gotti. And then they didn't want to put out a third. They wanted to put out a new project. But Gotti kept telling this record he had uh, with Rich Homie Kwan, I know, right? Mm. I know, I know, no, I, know. I know. That's what they were requesting from him when he go do shows. So Gotti tried to get him to do it. They didn't do it. Gotti came and put his own marketing and promotional dollars. We pushed the record, signed to Epic now, the top 10. Then Epic comes in, hey, 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 let us take over now. You know uh, what I'm saying? So, that's the so they want to do it. But, that's, but the guy believed in himself, and that's the thing, a problem with a lot of artists. Your whole team has to believe in you. With Jay Howe, with uh, Lisa, Danielle, DeRay, myself, we, we have a team. And when we pick out the music, we all argue by what songs we like yeah, that we're going to put on yeah, there. So, yeah. so we have a whole team meeting about what we like. And we put the, we might have 15 or 20, like this new album, we, we put 19 songs. We had 28 songs to listen to. Mm. And then we put the 19 on there. You know, so it's about and, and not having yes men. And we argue, we say we don't like this, we don't do these things. But we all know we're fighting for the common cause mm. is what for Jay Howell to be Howell. successful. That's right. That's exactly. Right. Do you still do independent stuff too? Well, I have a friend. Let me give a shout out to A1 Promotions. You're looking for good promotions because I... <laughs> <laughs> Go and get your commercial <laughs> off, man. Yeah. My guys, a young cat by the name of Daniel Hayes, A1 Promotions, cat came up under me. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I, it's a, I, that's a whole nother story. But... When people call me now, I send them A1 promotions. Why? Wow, what's so good about this guy? He, he started working for me doing street team with my guy, Ricardo Hunter, back when I had my and office. I remember Ricardo. What does, Rick, what's Ricardo doing? Ricardo still, I, I'm not sure. Okay. But, okay. but Ricardo still do some, some okay. promotion. But Daniel was working with Ricardo. He, he came to the office one day, and I was making radio calls. And I asked him, I said, you want to casino and hang up posters all your life? Or you want to come learn the real business side? Wow. So, some gangsta <laughs> so he came over. And, and he worked for me in, uh, back when I had the office in uh, Memphis. And then we moved to Atlanta. He was working for me. He went and worked for RCA for a while. And then he thought New York was great. And his wife said, you was making the same amount of money. Work for less than we, we mm. get killed up here in New York. Yeah, that's right. So he comes back and he works for me again. And then he branched off on his own and started doing his thing. So now he's doing a great job. Uh, I mean, I'm just guys taking records on the top of the charts. They are like, uh, what's the HD for president? Yeah, so he did that record. and now he's doing a project for them, but um, I, I just passed everything to him because I'm more focused on the Rock Nation stuff. Man. Now, and, now, let me also ask you this. At some point, you transitioned into radio. What made you make this discovery as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, to say, you know what? I, I love being a part of this whole thing, but I think this is the way to go as far as being a businessman, an entrepreneur, the way the business is going, what made you want to put your hand into radio the way you did? Not just radio promoting it, but actually have your own radio station. Because my first heart, first love was, uh, was still radio. I, you know, I, 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 that's where I started it and I still had a love for it. 
But also, that's right. I, you programmed the radio station in Brian. In Brian College Station. I forgot station. about that. Okay, I'm, yes. okay, okay. I remember this. Yes. Thank you for my records that you played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought about that. Yeah. So, uh, funny thing, back when I was working at the box, a friend of mine, Pluria Marshall, Larry Marshall, had bought the station in Brian College Station, mm-hmm. and he'd have anybody run it. So he talked to me and Walter, Walter D. So me and Walter, I didn't know anything about programming radio. So took trial and error. Used to go there. Every other day or whatever and, and changed the format because it was a gospel station at first. Mm-hmm. So we changed it, flipped it over to Urban. And I mean, it's funny. The, the, the radio station was a little shack with cows and everything running around. We were going there, have to go past the cows and drive up to the station. And, 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 uh, Y'all must have moved the location. Cause yeah, we moved it in. Moved, yeah, okay. yeah, we moved it down. Because we was in Hearn at first. Okay. And then we moved down to Bryan College okay, Station. Gotcha, gotcha. So we did that. So. I started programming that station, and then I reached out to people I knew in the biz, like Steve Hegwood, and learned how to do, you know, the formatics of setting the music up and do everything. So I did that, and so that was my first experience. And then I look at the people who came out of there, and that's one of my greatest things that I think I'm getting enjoyment. I mean, I've seen the people that I help in the business turn out to be great. So I know JQ was over there. JQ, that JQ out was the over box. there. Love JQ. And then I had a guy, Edward Sanchez, who was one of the first people there. And then Edward, Edward Graham, uh, his called Squeak. Now, me and Squeak own the station in Flint together now. We just launched the station in Flint, Michigan okay, okay. About, uh, about a year and a half ago. So now I'm, I got ownership with him in the station in Flint. So those, uh, just seeing those people grow, the Marcus Love that I first had, he's then in Tyler. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just so many people that I get that joy of seeing them grow. How'd you get that opportunity to buy the first station? That one is in New York. That's Rochester. Yes. How'd you get that opportunity? And what made you because say, I had to do it? Well, because I had a station uh, that I was doing an LMA in Colorado Springs with a guy by the name of Daryl Johnson. And we lost that one. And I had another station in Spokane, Washington with DJ Babyface that, that I lost them. That's a whole nother story that I don't want to get into on that one. Say but, no more, so those please. two, but then... I, I went through trial and errors on, on those two, found out the mistakes that were made. So then I was looking for a station, and I, and I forgot this trade uh, magazine, and a guy had a for sale station in Rochester, New York. Uh, it was a translator, but that's, that's another story. But it was a sale, not on the air. And uh, I looked at the demographics. I called Marcus, I think Marcus Love, and I said, man, let's look at this thing, see if any how much uh, urban communities there. And we were surprised and shocked where it was anything that was over 10 or 13% black. I feel like it could work in that market. Mm-hmm. Then plus they already had one urban in the market that was number one. So I just decided, Hey, I need to get a piece of that pie. <laughs> <laughs> how hard was it for you to, cause you got to go to the banks. You got to get them to give you money and dough. Well, they didn't give it. I, um, I, I reached out a lot of my radio friends and a lot of them weren't interested. Uh, one of my good friends by the name of Manny Bella mm-hmm. um, is my partner. He came up and he and we did it and we put the money up to do it. So the way we worked the deal out was owner finance. So okay. they financed the deal mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, you know, continue to go from there. Wow. That's pretty ballsy. I'm going to use that word. <laughs> you at any time there was there was never any fear in going to this. Like I said, I know you programmed it, but it's different when it's your own because you got to worry about how much money's coming in. You got to hire talent. Uh, if you want to go in that marketplace and be something in that marketplace, it requires a certain amount of work. And you are all the way in another part of the country. Well, I got it. But to be honest with you, Had I had a lot of help from a lot of friends that I didn't have to pay. 
I'm going to be honest with you, I, and I, I got to give them credit. My guy Marcus Love programmed the station from Tyler, Texas, and still does today, and he did it for a year or two without, a, without a, me getting him a dime. Mm. Okay? Uh, I had a guy by the name of James Wilson I knew in the business who runs the station. He lives in Dallas. Him and Finley would fly to Rochester every two weeks to handle sales. And the deal we worked out, I didn't have to pay them. You ate what you killed. Mm. Yes, sir. So yes, sir. they... I gave them a better, better percentage on the sales than most stations would give. Absolutely. And so they were able to do those things, but they were really running the station for them. And then I had a lot, the talent, the talent never did radio before. So they came on and these people pretty much worked for nothing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Until we was able. So those same people are still part. I got to give a shout out to Tiger Tide, Backspin, uh, Sierra. How did you get them to believe in your, in your vision? Well, and, they, and how did well, you find it? what they believe my vision. They believe in themselves because they want to do radio. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I never get one of my jobs came one day and said, hey, man, I, you told me that you was going to give me a raise. We got to a certain point. I said, well, to be honest with you, I can't. I can tell you this. If I had a choice to keep my station on the air or give you more money, which one do you think I'm going to do? Mm-hmm. And he looked at that and he understand it. I said, it's the business side of it. I said, I can tell you this. I can give you an opportunity. Now, in radio... It's about, if you think you're going to make all the money from being on the air as a job, then you're wrong. Okay. Radio is a hustle. You got, I say, when I got in radio, I used to leave my checks up the box for months. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it was about what I made on the outside. Yes, sir. You know? Yeah, you still want to be compensated, but at the end of the day, it's about, I had to look at the biz. And I think when you sit down with your employees or the people who are working for you, you really explain to them the whole deal, they can understand it, instead of not having communication. I would say communication is a key. If I sit down and I always say, you sit in my sh- chair and I'm going to sit in your chair. And you tell me what you would do. Mm. And that's the... That's the uh, How long did it take y'all to become successful in Rochester? Uh, well, what, four years? Really? I why, mean, during why? the pandemic, we didn't get any, none of that, whatever loan money they gave. We had to survive off still doing sales. And we survived really? and we're still thriving um, through that whole thing. So it taught me a, a, a lesson that and it's about having good people around you, man. You, you, your team, your, your team is everything, bro. And I got to give you that. I was never good at, you know, I think sometimes I was never good at team building. I was like, okay, here's the opportunity. Just go make it happen. You got to, mm-hmm. I think it's key to find groups of people who believe your vision mm-hmm. and you can get them pumped up. I'm so used to being singular, mm-hmm. you know, because I grew up a particular way. So you think that you can't depend on anybody. So I don't think also I allowed anybody you, you got people right. on your team, but in your head, you're like... Because I'll, you think you, you, you want to do it the way and nobody's going to do it like you. That yes. happened with me with uh, first... And I, I, I didn't learn it until I got to Memphis and I hired Ricardo Hunter. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, Ricardo used to come to my house every morning and I, I wanted everything to be done so right. And then when finally, I saw this kid take the same thing that I did and start doing things even better and come up with better ideas. Right. So that's when I started getting the perception, okay, I got Ricardo. Then Antonio Tubbs came along. Antonio came around and was even better than Ricardo. I mean, this dude, I mean, I would call somebody to pay a credit card bill and they would, uh, whatever, and they would give me a hard time I can do. And I get off the phone, Antonio will say, give me the number. He called him back. I come back. It's done. I'm like, oh, no, how did you do that? I'm like, bro, how did you do that? And so, it's no, and he was my, it still is my brother today. He's been with me like 20 something years. Wow. And wow. Uh, a company that I used to run, setting the pace, him and my sister Fatima, they run that. 
uh, run wow. that business. And the kid is incredible, man. And now he's now well, look I at him on that too. I'm, I've never he's been working there. for he's doing Diddy's working with Diddy's sons and now doing manage. He was managing. Wow. Uh, uh, I can't think of the artist that had a big record last year. So it's another guy that I've seen these guys be, go out here and become successful that I get great joy out of, man. What is it like? So because you're a mentor, do when you when you're doing a lot of these things, are you thinking to yourself, I'm helping these guys out? And I see you, you know, something else. You're totally unselfish. Most people are scared to share the knowledge that they have been given because they feel like somebody may take something that's theirs. There's never been one time that I've seen you not give information or help out if you could ever, even with me, I'm just being honest. Right, just, right. I, 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 you know, if I had a record, uh, okay, had, I know you're doing your little rap thing. I'm gonna I'm do what I can. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you, hey, you never- Hey, down south blew up, Yeah, yeah we did, we <laughs> did, did good. I had a, you know, four, right. four DJ that can't rap. I had a pretty decent career. <laughs> right. But you, you've always been given with information. Why? You, you never been scared somebody might take what's yours. I, I, I always loved that. Because, I don't know, I think it's just built in my DNA. You know, I never forget back in the day I, 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 when uh, Houston Rockets uh, signed Sam Cassell. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked uh, Rudy, why did he sign Sam Cassell? He said, because he believed in himself. Mm. He said, because he asked Sam Cassell, what about Clyde Drex? He ain't better than me. What about Michael Jordan? He ain't better than me. So I don't think nobody's better than me. Not mean that they're not better, but they're not better than me or who I am. Doing what you do. Doing what I do. Absolutely. The only person who stopped me from achieving is me. Yes, sir. So I have to be better than myself. But I knew when I, like, I mean, I got, like, I tell my son him today, you ain't got no hustle. You can't be with me. I like killers around me. You know, everybody... (laughs) I mean, when I say killers, they're going to go out and tell them, yeah, like, this guy, Corey get... Sparks, right now. Corey Sparks is a senior vice president over at Warner. Mm-hmm. He started with us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So these kids, I didn't see that back then, but I seen the energy that these guys, I didn't have, to, guess what? You have a clock when you can't work me. You coming to work. It's not like, okay, you got to punch in and everything. These guys came to work every day and they put it down. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and you, 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 I just see it in people when they really want it. Because no. they'll work for free when they really wanted hustlers. If mm. the first thing a person come in, how much I get paid, they, you, the people really want to be in this business, you have to love it. Yes, sir. You have to love it first because mm. it's not going to be rewarding at the beginning, mm. but it will at the end. And you're still here doing it. Still doing it. Here's the other funny thing about uh, Mr. Lester Sir Pace. He don't use the sir no more because he don't DJ no more. <laughs> He's an executive now. But this is the other thing I love about it. You love to talk about health as wealth. I went to your gram today. <laughs> I started taking this one uh, uh, vitamin that he had on there. No, no. I, I knew if I called him, I called, <laughs> I called him or I text him. I'm like, hey, man, you know, when you start getting older, you get older pain. And you don't know where it comes from. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you got to reach out to a brother that has some experience in helping brothers out. So I know you all about health as well, because I didn't even know how old you are. And I won't even get into that here. Right. When you told me, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Les, I didn't know. So I, I hit you and you told me what I could use for this thing. But I see you all the time. You promoting certain vitamins and hitting the gym. You serious about that? Well, because I, I think somebody really trying yeah, to get you on. Uh, the yes, sir. <laughs> I think the thing is with that is that 
you know, a lot of times I've seen people, I, I be in the gym and I see people 89, 90 years old and they looking like they're seven. Mm. Okay, and then I realize as, as our black, black people, I don't think we take a lot of help. You know, we love to eat good. And trust me, I tell people like, man, you just, I say, I still eat the same, but I make sure what comes in comes out. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of hey, looking at hey, it. Hey, I ain't letting, I ain't, hey, the trash ain't sitting in, tra- in, yes, in the trash sir. can for yes, 10 sir. days. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. You get it out of okay. me. So, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, it's going to yes, taste sir. good and, and it's going to leave. <laughs> but, but what happened was, I'm telling you the story, my son had a kidney transplant, how they got on his health tip. Mm. And um, he was like 12 or 13. And I didn't know anything about holistic doctors. And so I was uh, buying these herbs from this lady and I called her one day and told her my son had to have a kidney transplant. She told me I should come down to Birmingham and meet Dr. John. So I take my son down to meet Dr. John and I didn't know anything about holistic doctors. So one lady told me that she had the worst cancer that a woman can have, cervical or something like that. And uh, she was in the hospital and the lady next to her passed. She thought it was going to be different for me, for her. So she went to see Dr. John. He changed her diet, put on some different herbs, and she beat it. And then another mm-hmm. lady went to the doctor. When know you what. say that kind of stuff, you know people don't believe. No, man, yeah, you know, but hey, but when you're on my same vibration and the frequency I am. Oh, that's why they hit it with a vibration. <laughs> this part of the show for people only on that vibration. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you ain't on this vibration, you can turn off now. I, I, it's like some people listen to magic, some people listen to 97. <laughs> So which frequency are you on? So if you're on this frequency, then you hey, feel me. Come, you feel come me. join in. Yes, sir. Yes, but sir. I only yes, put, and then people like, you know, so I took him and he did some things and my son's kidney functions went up for the first time when he went back to the doctor. He stand up getting, a, he had to get a transplant, but he woke me up. And at that point in time, I went and found out how the medical society was being taught. So I went and found how the AMA started. I went and found out all these different things and I had to re-educate myself and just to say a lot of things I've been taught in life was a lie mm. for me, for my truth. Okay, not yours, but mine. <laughs> I re-educated myself. Yes, and sir. so when I started doing these things, I, I don't even, I have a room at the house called The Quiet Room. I don't even watch TV. All I'm at, my niece is, oh, you just a YouTube. And but I'm always finding out things about health and knowledge. And so I start finding these different herbs, thinking about the black sea oil, the oregano all these oh, different things. <coughs> Excuse me. You hit me today with the oregano oil and was it black seed? No, you didn't have the black, black seed in the pitch. Uh-huh. I had, the, I had the, moolin. What the moolin oil is what I use for the uh, congestion and cough and everything like that. Obviously from that cough I just had, I probably need yeah. to go and make that investment. Today. Yeah, yeah. And get you some vitamin D, some zinc and all those type of okay, things. Okay, okay. I got and build you, it up. But, but that was the whole thing I want to do. It's but that you. stuff you told me to take, uh, I doubled up on the portions, and uh, let me just say, I, I'm, it's not that I'm trying to give you props. I'm just saying, whatever that issue with, it magically went away. Now, some might say it was because of the, the, the stuff that I was taking, or maybe it just took time to go away. I'm still taking that stuff, just to be on the safe side. Hey, I tell people, even they say, tell them about, uh, I had people, my, the, my son thing, when the people told him I was talking, going to see the voodoo doctor. But I had to tell them <laughs> this. I said, hold on, let me ask you who's the voodoo doctor. Is it? The guy who goes out into the woods and pull things that God put on the earth or the guy sitting with that white lab jacket on? Mm. Who's more voodoo? God Ooh. put the things on earth and they tell you, the man right by say, God said, heal yourself with the herbs of the land. Uh-oh. Okay? But you want to tell me? I, I know we get, we get scripture lessons. <laughs> hey, no, I'm, I'm, but so I took I that I and I started you. doing things because I thought about back in the older days, my grand, our grandparents, what did they do then? They didn't have a chance to go to the doctors. 
My grandmother would go out in the woods and come back and go borrow some stuff and take those things right there. Mm -hmm. And they and they still here and the world still survive. Mm. And so that's, you know, I just knew you, I know you serious about that. Oh, so yeah, I'm, I'm serious I, about I, that. I want to be and you promote and you promote it heavily. And you know, that's you promote why I go health, to, uh, your line is health is wealth. And I know it's a popular saying. Right. But it, at least once every week, maybe two weeks, you're going to hit us with you, you ain't saying to take it. You just saying health hey, is wealth. And here's and I'm, and I'm not telling I have people man, send me stuff. Hey, man, you should push this. this. I'm not pushing nobody's product. No, you just do. I'm, I'm, I'm not pushing no product. Mm -hmm. And I'm not I'm giving all my information is free. That's right. So, so I, I don't want to be I'm not I'm, I'm never going to be out here trying to sell my own herbs or anything like that. All I'm telling people to do is to take care of themselves. Yes, sir. Build your immune system. Take care of your body. The body will take care of you. Two things I do uh, at least a month. I'm going to go get a massage at least twice a month and I'm going to go see the chiropractor. Mm. I feel like the body has all these veins running through them. It's like a house with electric. If that current ain't running through there, guess what? These lights not coming on. Mm. So that's how I kind of look at the body and the body is 80 percent water. So I treat my body like a swimming pool. When a swimming pool is alkalinity is uh, low. What do you do? You shock it to build it back up. Okay. Is it an acid or alkaline? So that's the way I kind of look at it. Y'all learned a lot right now. <laughs> Hopefully you have your book and your pen because we went from everywhere from Houston hip hop to now health as well. <laughs> This is my podcast. It don't have a real true name. Like, we just going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. We're talking about people who are interested, who are making things happen. Friends. Some will be friends. Some will, will not be friends. But I, I think that there are people that you can learn from. And, and Lester, you are a wealth of knowledge. In addition to all that stuff, you're also a father. How were you able to balance? Because you jet set all the time. Not that you're trying to jet set, but right. you're always moving. You always. Well, that's why sometimes I don't even want to hit you. Uh-huh. Uh, but sometimes I will anyway, like when I see you turn into radical paces, what I like to call you when I get into why. <laughs> yeah, we ain't going to get into that point. That'll, that'll be the stuff we talk off camera. We're not even going to get to that side. <laughs> but I'll see him talk, talking about something and catch him talking to saying something. I'm like, hey. <laughs> but, but how were you able to balance family and all the different stuff you do? Because you got stations in Rochester. You said the newer one is in Flint, Michigan. Flint. You live in ATL now. Mm -hmm. Uh, you you moving around all the time. You still work Rock Nation, so that means you got to hit New York sometimes. You got to mm -hmm. go to, probably to LA and do this. How are you doing all this and managing family? Or at, was there a point in all of this as you're trying to grow that family suffers? Well, family do suffer. Um, what happened with my daughter? Um, I set up the well, I didn't set up, but had a situation where her mom is with her all the time. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So I I just feel like especially a person like me to have to move around all the time that she can be there and be with a hundred times. So I shout out, go out to Lisa Blair. So she, she kills for, for, for my daughter, man. And my daughter, man, I don't know if you saw a picture I posted that she drew a I few weeks ago, man. I did see that. This girl is so talented yeah, and stuff that. like that. And we keep her busy. She's going to sewing class. She's going to drawing class. She's mm -hmm. doing all these different things. Uh, Kumon. All, yeah, uh, yeah, I got you. Yeah, so she's doing so much. And one of my friends told me, uh, and she's playing piano. One of my friends told me why well, one thing you need to do is make sure your daughter, she hasn't played a sport yet. I've been trying to get, she won't do that, but to play an instrument and uh, to open that third side of her brain. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I say, wow. I used to wonder why people back days, how they kids listening to Mozart when they were three and four. Mm -hmm. And I realized the frequency and what that's doing to the brain and, and those type of things. Yes, sir. Yeah. Do you, do you ever have any regrets on that? Because I know you have an older kid. And then you got your youngest daughter. I, I, I don't live off regrets because everything we do is trial and error. Mm. 
you know, I don't, I, I try not to regret. I just try to do better, make, not make those mistakes the next time. You know what I'm saying? Do your kids, how, do your kids ever say, dad, you should have did this or you did that or all the no, relationships? No, no, I think did, did, last year, I, they all came down for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and I cooked mm-hmm. uh, and everything. And so we had a great time. I mean, I don't think they'll never tell me that, you know. <laughs> if they do, they won't tell me because I because they call me today and I still look out for them. Mm-hmm. I might, you know, give them their daddy chest ties, whatever they need, I'm going to provide it for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, Leslie, you, you just, you so much information. Like I said, I, I wanted to try to cover everything about you. Even in sitting here talking to you, there's a lot of things about you. I just didn't know. And, mm-hmm. and some things I learned over the years. I learned about, you know, you having kids and all that because... I just always have seen you on the move. I've never seen you still mm-hmm. long enough. I've always seen you jet setting to different cities. I'm living right. here now. I'm living there. And I just wanted the opportunity to sit with you because I think you are amazing. I, I think you've done it. a lot of things that you will never get credit for. Like, you know, when we talk about the KTSU and the Kids Jam. You got a chance to listen to it this year. I did. I did. I did. Y'all, you, you're really good on the air. You're really good. I did. I was, I was sitting there really into it because you don't really... Here's but the truth, man. Right. You don't really hear radio shows anymore. Right. To me, right. that if all they do now, they sit there and they talk about what an entertainer did. Right. And that's what radio has become. Right. We came up at a different time. Yeah, we talked about what the entertainer did, mm-hmm. but I also had to be entertaining. entertaining. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So you, I, called, I, I called what we did full service shows. Right. We're going to tell you what's going on in the world. I'm going to tell you a little bit of news, too. And I'm going to make you laugh. I don't care if it's corny, right. cornball, or hilarious. Right. My, my job is to get you through the ebb and flow of and where your, you're going. Yeah, man. So you don't see it. So it's kind of cool to sit back and listen to radio the way I used to listen to radio right. when I was a kid. Right. So right. I was sitting there enjoying it. I was loving all y'all banter, all the shit talk. And mm-hmm. you could hear that the camaraderie amongst mm-hmm. the people that were there. What's right. the guy, T? Um, King T. King T. A lot of people don't know because when you think King I T, gave you, don't the first think, opportunity, man. That, you don't even thing. think you don't even think King T and Houston. You think King T. I'm, I'm thinking uh, L.A. Absolutely. His mom just quick story. And I don't know if he even said this. Like King T. I had to go. He used to run away from the home that they had him in. Wow. I had to, and he run to the station and be there. And then I had to talk to his mom and everything because he was part of Kids Jam. Mm. And so and, and he started as a little kid and he was the first person that was that was killing on the turntable. He was me and Jazzy Red's D- DJ when we rapped. Wow. Me and Jazzy Red was a rap duo well, a called Double Trouble. And King T is a huge presence. Right. For West Coast. West hip-hop. Coast hip hop. Right. And you would never think that this guy started some of this right, right here. here. And those people that came from kids were Tammy, Tammy Mack. Yep, Tammy Tammy Mack, Mike, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, came right there from kids. Damn. All those people, man. You have a hand in a lot of this stuff. I'm, I'm hoping that y'all do something where y'all really, really less than this is me being honest, aside from this stuff now. You really need to document stuff. I don't know how y'all do it. I don't know if y'all get together and make just, if, and I love this era we're in because you can put anything on YouTube mm-hmm. and hopefully it sits there for years, but something needs to be documented. Well, Jazzy, Jazzy, me and Jazzy have, have been working on it. He got some of the people recorded. We just got to finish it up, but we have, I, I know him and uh, uh, K-Tron were working on something. Good, I'm going to try to get good, with them good. and try to finish it up. Cause they got to get mines. I think they got Pam. They got a lot of the people who are on kids. Good. And good, talked good. about it. Jazzy don't get a lot of credit too. Uh, Cause he was a, another one of the first hip hop artists from this era. He was the first one to, to get be a played major on deal. radio and to get a major deal. Yes, yes. it was. A lot yes, of people yes. don't. Remember, I am a dope fiend. Yeah, I'm a dope fiend. Exactly. 
Yes. Not do drugs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a huge that song. It was. But yeah. he 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 also kind of gets missed when people right. have these conversations about mm-hmm. hip hop, Houston, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Jazzy Red was also there too. Right. So salute to Jazzy. Um, right. And it's funny, even with Mellow, I used to manage Big Mellow. I see. I don't. I, see, see, I, I don't see, even remember. With this. me, crazy seeing Harvey Love, all of them. We all first got together, even to rap a lot. That I was, I was their manager at the, at at one point. I love some big mellow. I remember mellow. Uh, this is when the paid and full label for me starting to play right. him. He like, hey, how the man? Why ain't you gonna sign me? I said, mellow, because I'm gonna have to fight you. And <laughs> I'm not, and I got my money not on me, unfortunately. <laughs> and I, I just can't have it, man. I just. So we just gonna keep on being good friends. <laughs> right. I love me some big yeah, mellow man. That was my guy. He used yeah. to rap in the skating ring for me back in the day. That's how me and him met. His energy was crazy. Mm-hmm. Energy's crazy. Yeah. And and salute to Big Mellow. Here's another reason why I love him. Because you know, this was back when I first got here in Houston, they wouldn't nobody was touching me with a 10-foot pole. And maybe because his connection to Crazy C or whatever, right. he invited me to come to the studio. This is when they had digital services over there uh, yes, off of uh, yeah, Richmond. Richmond, Not right. Richmond, but Chimney Rock. Right. Mm-hmm. And Mellow's in there. They doing a posse track. They doing what? a posse cut. Uh-huh. So I'm in there listening. He's like, what you think, Hat? I'm like, oh, yeah, man, you're doing it. You're doing it. He's like, you know you got to get on there. I, he said, I, I hear you on the radio. You know, <laughs> Mellow talk strong. Right, yeah. I, I hear you on the radio. He's right. strong with it. Right. Like, yeah, you little force ball. Uh-huh, right. I know you, you want to get on. Then go and get on it. No, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing shy. No, I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm good. Uh-huh. So they, I see a couple other people. They hear the freestyle. Like, ooh, I'm over here dying. <laughs> hey, I'm dying. What? Ooh, I want some of this. I'm, I want some of this track so bad. Uh-huh. I know I can't hang with nobody on there, but I got to get some. <laughs> right. Mello come over there again. I, he said, I know you want some of this. I know you want some. He's strong with it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nah, Mr. Mello, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. I'm good. I say, my brain. He come over here one more time. <laughs> Why ain't nobody looking? I'm over here with a sheet of paper. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know you won't get on this track. All right, man. I went in there and tore it up. <laughs> I, like, oh, I know you had it, boy. Right. I love, man. I love Mello, man. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was an honor that he would allow this... Little that's DJ how he was, man. North Carolina. That, that's why he tried to, to make me be the rapper on that, man. Like, I went out there, I said, no, I'll just be the manager now. Y'all get I, it. I, but and I he forced him, Harvey. Man. Look, Harvey was just a DJ. Really? Yeah, Harvey was just a DJ. Harvey went. Uh, that Mello. track on that album with Harvey, on the cool, no disrespect, other than Wind Me Up, that Harvey Love track. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The fever. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one. He killed it. He did. That was probably my favorite track. He did. On that album. And if you're going to listen to the first album where it was him, 3 2 Mellow, and Big Mike, uh, I forgot the name of the song. But they, they killed it, man. They killed it. You man. know what? I never opened that album. This is back in the days when they put them in CDs, the right. long CD mm-hmm. thing. My album, I never opened that album. Man, you need to go listen. It. Go listen to that, that first album by Big Mellow. It was a classic. It was a classic, but I'm saying, but now that fever, I'm saying with Harvey, Harvey, when I first heard him, because it's the first time he was with, he hung with all of them on that thread. He hung with 3-2, Big Mike, and Mellow, and then when I was like, oh, man. I got to go back and listen to the first one. Yeah. I'm, I, obviously, I'm going to be partial to Mellow's second album because Crazy C. Oh, yeah. And his production. Crazy, crazy C did the first one. But his production on that second album. Oh, yeah, one, no, it came with a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. production oh, yeah. on that oh, yeah. second album. Fuck with your mind. Ooh, <laughs> that was, hey. never, he's never going to get the credit that I think my, my brother did. Man, I got to give Crazy C credit. He's never going to get he it. He give him credit for that, then. 
He did the dopest Wu Tang remix ever. I keep telling people that the dopest remix ever. We would not play that record as crazy as he went in. He did that remix. That record came high in Houston. That's the record that actually got them play on the West Coast. The wow. crazy scene version. Yeah. And I'll never forget because I know you know all the drama that that record caused. Yeah, right? they because didn't want it was it out not functioning. Yeah, it was not. It was RZA. Yeah. Like they totally was against that record. But I'm so happy, and I've told people this before. Years later. When I was interviewing RZA, I'm like, hey, man, uh, my partner name is Crazy C. He like, we was younger. But I, I, didn't even to, I, didn't even, you to say I didn't even have to get it out of my mouth. He yeah. already knew because mm-hmm. I knew that record was such a controversy. Somebody probably got beat up behind that remix. Why? That they were bad. totally, yeah, they, they totally nobody were, touching their record. That's Southern Fry. Doom, 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 doom. That's Crazy C went crazy on that track, man. Method, that Method Man track. Anyway, him, oh, I, yeah, he got it, yeah. It, it. It was that one and uh, Above the Law. He did uh, uh, Hundred Spokes. Those right. are two of my favorite Crazy C songs, obviously, Down South. Right. But those two right there were my favorites. And a lot of people don't, he'll never get credit because I think my opinion is that he really helped that group outside of New York. Exactly. And that was the version that started getting played. Right. And then Wu Tang became Bigger. this thing. And then all of a sudden, that. Because the went whole thing about New York, uh, some certain records and, and artists and stuff. When somebody is southern, get that southern feel. That's like you look at Jay Z when he got with Pimp C and Bun B mm. and, and, and did uh, uh, Big Pimpin'. Big Pimpin'. You Crazy know what I'm saying? Pimpin'. That 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 brought him down mm. south because because we were getting to the point in the south where it was about us. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That we start having our own sound. And so for that record to come and do that, it, it was big. Because back then, when I was first doing it, we had number New York, LL, Cool J. Yeah, so I had to play those records. Yeah, but then pride. we started going, having southern our pride. own sound. And then by that time, it was Southern. You know, we had the Ghetto Boys, all these. We had our own sound. But salute to, to RZA, man. Incredible producer. But I, I, I love the way that he said, hey, man, we were different dudes at that time, bro. Mm-hmm. We was younger. We was kids. Hot-headed. Street dude, right? <laughs> all that, and I'm yeah, like, man, you can't, you can't even be mad at that. You like, yeah, right. man, you show, right? You show, but you grow, you grow, you grow. And I think to this day, and I always say this, don't quote me on it. That might be the only unsanctioned Wu Tang remix ever. Really? Wow. Now I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but this is totally, this is totally RZA. It was this was this was a record company move, not. Right. A RZA deal. So let me just say that. But I just, I'm glad we got a chance to get that out there. Lester, man, you know, I could talk to you forever because I think you're a wealth of knowledge. I'm really happy because I know you're home on vacation. I didn't want to do this on no screen right. and all that. I right. Really no, wanted I, I wanted to be here. Yeah, now. I really wanted yeah, we'll you to do, I'm glad to be here. Thank but you. But I really, I really wanted you to tell your story because you're such a wealth of knowledge and, and you're, you're, you're giving to people and, uh, this is even my way of making sure that the documentation of whom you are, particularly in this city, there's some documentation of it. And I'm sure other people have talked to you and interviewed you, but I want to make sure that... This is the first in-depth that I've done. He called it in-depth. In no, no, this is the first in-depth that, hey, that they're going to probably see on YouTube or something yes, uh, with me. So, absolutely. so no, so no. I, I appreciate thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you, you taking the time because I know you're here for your family. You totally ain't here, but you're, you're trying to accommodate Hey, no, you do with friends, bro. You trying to accommodate a friend, still trying to figure out what he want to be when he grow up now. And now we next, Daryl Scott, you need to be next. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And it took a lot of talking to Daryl. Daryl Scott, man, and a lot of people want to talk to him. Uh, Shout out to Donnie Houston, because he's like, yeah, Donnie wanted me to talk to him. So, And I I respect Daryl Scott. He said he asked me a while back, Hatter, so I don't want to make 
you know, oh, yeah. no, until I do this, Did, Donnie. Right. Um, he said, after that, we good. I'm like, man, do Donnie, because I think Donnie's doing his best to document a lot of the stories from this city. So I love everything that Mr. Houston is doing, man. He's doing this 3-2 story. I even right. saw a little bit of that. Uh, and I just love what he's, this kid is doing. I like this kid a lot, man. I, right. I think he wants to make sure that some of these other people in this community are not forgotten. Oh. And I got to respect Don Houston for that. But I, I can't wait to talk to Daryl Scott. He's a very important part of this musical heritage, lineage, history mm-hmm. of this city. And I, I just don't think some of these people, I hope they don't get forgotten you know, over time when they tell these other stories. Because I think everybody thinks hip hop starts with Screw and, well, then, and then, you know, Scarface, Willie D, Bush would get honorable mention, mm-hmm. ghetto boys and rap a lot. Right. You know, but there was there's so much such a wealth of history and co- hip hop culture here right. that I don't want it to be forgotten. But man, I just thank you for taking the time. You've always taken my calls. You've always tried to help out old school DJ <laughs> man when I was doing my records. <laughs> All right, had a See what I can do with this garbage, but uh, you know, no, you no, never, I never said, said that. that. You, I never you said always, that. I think if you think that there's a will and there's a way and, and you always are, are connected, because even if it can't be you, let me tell you who you need to see right. to make this thing make this happen. Thing go, that's man. why I was saying I always salute you because you never were scared to share your knowledge with people. So right. I, I salute you on that too. No. Thank you, my brother. Uh, it's been great. Lester Pace, to some of you classic homies out there, Lester Sir Pace, record exec. CEO, businessman, entrepreneur. Oh, what is success or being successful? No, what is success to Lester Serpay? Seeing other people become successful. Man, we're going to end it right there. <laughs> my man. Thank you. Brother. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother.